This week on A Dash of Grit, we've all heard the term, failure is not an option. Really? Because in business, we know that failure is not only an option, it's sometimes a likely potential outcome. So what happens when failure really is not an option? Refusing to lose, that's grit, and that's Jesse Lang. Next. This is A Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. So when we talk about grit, it's easy to talk about sports. Fourth and one, what do you do? Down two, bottom of the ninth, how do you handle it? You know, you got to rise to the occasion. And I think that is grit. And that defines my guest today and what he does on a, on a daily basis. He's the managing partner and president of Rudis, one of the top international athletic brands in the wrestling community today. It's taken a lot of work to get there, and I'm excited to share his story. Please welcome to A Dash of Grit, Jesse Lang. Jesse, thank you for being a guest on our show. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, happy to be here. Really glad that you are. I'm excited for folks to hear your, your story because you've done something from scratch to something amazing. And I know people are going to tune in to hear how you did that. And so Jesse, if you don't mind, we are going to talk about grit. We are going to talk about some painful things and some uh, opportunities that you had to overcome some hurdles, but I'm interested in what now looks like you're doing well, brag about your company a little bit. Tell us uh, the good things that are happening for Rudis. It's nice for you to say that, you know, for us, we always are looking for the places that we're not doing well, but we're happy to be exiting startup mode. That's what I consider doing well. We're at five years of age. And if you, if you went back in time five years, I wasn't sure we would get here. So I'm happy to be here. The things we're doing well is we have a team. We have a culture. Um, we know every single day what our purpose is. Um, and that is to continually elevate the national wrestling community through speaking through our apparel. And it's more than just apparel. It's, it's the brand messaging. And I have a team around me that is better than me at doing what I do every day which is probably the, the biggest testament to what we've achieved in five years. So a lot of the folks that are watching and listening right now to the Dash of Grit might not know wrestling and might not be exposed to your brand. Give me a little bit of an idea of, of who Rudis is, where they might see your brand, what you're all about. Talk about the, you know, who your company is and what you do. Sure. If you really want to understand the brand, it really goes back way beyond five years that the company existed. My partners represent uh, a legacy in the sport of wrestling that is decades in the making. So I, I want to briefly cover them. One is a guy by the name of Jeff Jordan. Jeff is the head coach at St. Paris Graham High School. They had won 18 straight states titles here in Ohio, a couple national titles. He runs one of the most prominent wrestling camps in the national wrestling community, and he gets about 2,500 kids a summer that come to his wrestling camps. So he's been doing wrestling for a living, and, and, and wrestling is a family heritage for him. His family has the most state titles in the history of Ohio. Uh, my other partner is a guy by the name of Tommy Rollins. He was two-time NCAA champ at Ohio State, two-time Olympic alternate. Um, he was the Peyton Manning of wrestling for a while when wrestling was canceled from the Olympics. He was the guy at the forefront of the movement to get it reinstated. My third partner is a lady by the name of Nancy Schultz. Her husband, Dave, it was an Olympic champion. He's the Muhammad Ali of our sport. Um, he was murdered in 1996 by John DuPont. It was an international story. They've made films about it. Fox Catcher recently came out about four years ago. It starred Channing Tatum and Mark Ruffalo and Steve Carell. Her husband, Dave, is revered in the sport. And then she took on the torch of being uh, an activist, not just for wrestling, 
but a variety of issues. And so that legacy, not even speaking about myself, was inherent to the company. That is what gave us the foundation and understanding to build a brand that was authentic to the space. I had been coaching full-time, working for Jeff Jordan, and prior to that, competed as a teammate with Tommy Rollins. So that's the tie-in. And what happened is we just identified that, hey, the wrestling community is underserved. We're a small market. There's these big corporate giants that, that really don't care or understand who the participants of the sport are. So let's build a brand that's capable of servicing everybody from the youth wrestler at five years old, uh, you know, the little kid that, that's going out for the sport for the first time, to the guy who's been wrestling his whole life. He's the top 1% and he's trying to make the Olympic team. And we've built a business and a brand around servicing those people. And so football has Nike and Under Armour. Running has New Balance and Adidas. Wrestling has Rudis. That's what we like to believe, yes. That's what you're there's hoping other people for. Out there that, there's other people out there. There's a lot of competition. But the success is that now we're getting that notoriety. You know, yeah. back to your original question, what is the success? There's people that say, I'm a wrestler. I wear Rudis over picking Nike, which is a much bigger brand. So building a brand from, you know, against that kind of competition without that kind of name recognition, you're building this from scratch. Let's get into the grid a little bit, if you don't mind, Jesse. Talk to me about what kind of what the goals were, what you were trying to reach, and what got in the way, and, and what did you have to overcome along the way? I mean, the goals in the beginning, I don't think we had clearly defined goals when we started. We were hoping, you know, this happened a lot faster than I ever expected. We, we had a lot more success than I ever anticipated. But the goals initially were to develop a good custom apparel brand um, because there was a, a lack of quality merchandise and the community was underserved. We, we want to serve ourselves. When I worked for the wrestling camp, we couldn't get quality merchandise that had brand value to sell to our campers. It was a struggle every year. Okay. So we knew we wanted, to, we wanted to meet that need. And then it continued to grow from there. But it was built off of the backs of relationships. So anywhere, anybody that's selling anything knows that relationships are key and it's and it's the relationships that you have that you lean on especially in the beginning that are foundational to where you go so we had decades of relationships and there was people that trusted us as people and we needed to deliver for them you know on those relationships and reputations and that was kind of the foundation for where we went next but it was only the start and and the pains that went along with that were many because when you attach personal relationships to a transaction things can get sticky but they were also the reason why you can't fail because when you are servicing a friend or someone that you respect, not just, it's not just a transaction. You're emotionally tied to the outcome here. There is no other way but to make this work. And so what happens there? So that's two times you've mentioned relationships and serving other people and trying to do the right things for people that you believe in and things you're trying to build for yourself. What happens that gets in the way that causes the trouble? Because it feels like with relationships, you know the folks, let's just do it. But it's not that easy. Yet. No, I mean, we, like anything, I think in sports, athletics, you're, you're taught to believe you're going to win, right? Before you step on the mat, you, you believe you're going to win. And I think entrepreneurs are kind of innately have that, that instinct to believe it's going to come out right. Well, then you are quickly... Uh, awakened to the many pitfalls that can happen, especially when you're new to the industry. And we, we didn't know what we didn't know. So you tell a coach, you're going to get your singlets by this date and you find out, whoa, I, over, over, I may have overpromised and underdelivered in this scenario. And then you have to own that and you have to be accountable to that and you have to fix that. And I think that's where a lot of people stop. You know, they, 
they, they, they can't figure out either a way to fix it or aren't, um, I guess they don't self-evaluate enough to hold themselves accountable to fix the problem. So if it happens once, it doesn't happen three, four, five, six, seven times. I guess that was one of the biggest successes we've had is we've been great at self-reflection, analyzing our behavior, um, what we do well, what we don't do well, and then making adjustments to make sure that we continually improve as we go along. And so the, the things that you were able to do, you mentioned entrepreneurs just anticipate success. And the truth is, most don't. Most fail. They try and that's, that's right. they might try again and they might try again, but failure is a big part of it. And so folks that don't know you or folks that are giving you a shot, they might even be expecting you to fail. And so when that thing happens that gets in the way, they're like, ah, I knew it. I knew that's where we we're going to go. And so how does, how does Jesse Lang and Rudis overcome letting someone down? Give me an example of when that actually happened or without, you know, you don't have to give names, but talk to me about sure. when that got rough. It's happening multiple times on multiple scales. So in the beginning, I was servicing, you know, I was attaching my personal identity to one sale. And now we're servicing a national wrestling community that's much bigger. Online will do, it's not huge, but we'll do over 60,000 online orders in, in one year. And, you know, you're, you're opening up the funnel in a much bigger way. They have much more opportunity to fail. And, and basically, it's, it's having the ability to truly listen and, and make sure that the highest expectations are our own. We need to elevate our own expectations and exceed that of our customer uh, and be our toughest critic. That is something that I think a lot of people have a hard time doing. And, and I think even in the beginning, I might have had a hard time doing because it, it requires you to, to absorb criticism in a way that, that can be very painful. I, think, I, I tell people the hardest part about running a business, starting a business is the emotional. I don't think it's the knowledge, the decision making. I think it's, it's overcoming emotion because a lot of people lack the fortitude to plow through, embrace, uh, whatever you want to say, the difficult emotions that go along with running a business. And what um, did you have to do to be able to embrace those? That's where we're going here. And that's where the grit yeah. shows up in my experience is when you care too much to let it go. What did you have to do? Well, to I, didn't have, I didn't have a choice. I had laid my life on the line um, metaphorically so? in the sense that, uh, well, I had 30 years in the sport. And when you have 30 years in the sport and you spent your life in the sport and now you put your reputation on the line with people that have known you for 30 years, you can't fail. And beyond that, financially, I had at about a year in, I had quit my job for lack of a better term. We have decided as partners for me to exit the coaching world. Because when I started, I was, I was in having two roles. I was, a, I was a full-time coach with my partner, Jeff Jordan. And I decided, hey, the best route for the business and, and what I hoped would be the best route for me personally was to stop coaching and to full-time run this clothing company. And for me, I just couldn't turn back. There was no turning back. I had to make it work. Um, I have four kids. When you're in that scenario, it's very real. It's not other people's money, right? This is no, I'm not working off venture capital. You know, I'm not working off of investors. I mean, these are my partners. I can't fail them, right? When they put me at the helm, I knew at this point there was an increased burden that I, I felt to deliver for them. So I guess it was personal ownership over mission accomplishment that is still prevalent today. During my wrestling career, but prior to this business, I was in the Marine Corps Reserves and there's always been a, the notion of mission accomplishment over truth welfare. And that is very much ingrained in this business and my own personal mentality. Was there a point in your in the building of Rudis where you 
even though you couldn't fail, you were worried that you were going to? And if so, what did you do to overcome that specific hurdle? I would say that I would say, I'm not sure I have overcome it. I, I think it's mm. still there. And yes, there's been multiple. So what do you do I different? What do you do different to overcome that thing that's still there? I don't know if I do anything different other than every single day I wake up knowing that I have to compete. You know, as an athlete, as a, a guy that would enter in a combat situation, the enemy is complacency. You, you always have to feel the threat and, and have a, a bit of paranoia about you to know that it is possible that today you will not win. It is possible that today you could not survive. And, and I, I employ that mentality of the survival mentality to the business on a daily basis. You know, and, and for me, I don't think we've overcome anything. I think we've, we've gained intellect, knowledge. We have intellectual property in the business. But until you know, we have 50 years behind us and we know that we're not going to perish, I don't think I'm going to ever be, be satisfied. But you look at big companies. I mean, we're talking about JCPenney fired, filed Chapter 11. So I don't know if there is such a thing as ever overcoming it. You constantly have to adapt because the world is changing. You have to change to survive in the new world. There's a difference between winning and competing, isn't there? Com com competitive uh, action is showing up and doing the best you can and going home to a nice meal. Winning, it takes a whole right. other level. That's right. Tell um, me about what winning, makes you different as far as that goes. I, you know, I don't know that I'm any different or we're any different than anybody else that's competed at a high level. What is different here, it's very common to have Olympic level athletes, Olympic champions walking the halls every day. So the Olympic standard, which is, is one of looking at yourself, self-reflecting in a way that winning is, is really the litmus here and truth and humbleness and doing it for the right reasons, right? These guys aren't financially, you know, getting paid out in huge ways. They're doing it for, for truly the pureness of sport while, while also tied to and grounded the soldier's mentality, I think just allows you to, to view winning in a way that is in the right scope. And when you have winning in the right scope, everything beneath it falls in line because you start doing things the right way all the time and you're analyzing what didn't we do what could we have done to get better that culture that unwillingness to let it go that competitive spirit that winning spirit how has that affected those that you hire and your team and the culture of, of rudis is that obviously that's been a plus i think it's a plus i think it's a huge culture shock for a lot of people i bet um the truth is, you know, you'd, you'd think and you'd look at a business like this and, and, you, and you'd speak the way I'm speaking. You might think we have a lot of wrestlers walking the building and, and I have some, but I actually have more females that never wrestled in their life that work for me than any other demographic. It's interesting because I think what I'm looking for today, it's, it's interesting that the, the podcast is called Grit, um, but what I'm looking for today in future team members is toughness. And it's probably the number one trait I look for because when I, when I have toughness, I can, I can build and I can mold people. There is a culture shock thing because a lot of people think they're tough. A lot of people think they're tough or they grew up in a tough scenario. And that reality uh, gets contorted the moment they get out of their comfort zone. And that's really where toughness starts to get defined. And for a lot, some people think toughness is a physical trait. Um, and there's certainly a, a portion that, that is connected. I, I do think there's a connection between the physical self and your mental toughness. And maybe that's a different or bigger topic. But there's this toughness that gets in when, when, you, when you press in and you push into someone and you, you challenge their beliefs, you challenge 
they're thinking, you know, how do they respond? Do they back down and just take, take a back seat? Do they overcompensate and, and bark? Or can they hold firm to their beliefs, question themselves, and find a way to use this conversation, this, this circumstance to grow? And that's typically where I find our best people is the people that can constantly challenge themselves every single day to squeeze everything out of themselves, squeeze their mind and pour themselves out in the business and then, then say, did I accomplish everything I could today? And those people that, that then do that on a daily basis and self-reflect and find new ways are the things that, that we do well here at the business, but they're still a challenge. They're, they're a challenge every day because, I mean, candidly, I think it's less prevalent in society today because we're actually better at accomplishing the mission in a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's success out there, and almost almost too easily won. They don't realize what else they have to put into the uh, into the space. So I'm wondering, you know, winning. There's winning and there's competing. You've been winning. I just watched the Michael Jordan documentary. It's never good enough to win, and it's never good enough to dominate. You've, there's always something else. And so I'm wondering for for Rudis, kind of what's next. You mentioned that we haven't succeeded yet. What does success look like? What's around the corner for you? The success around the corner is innovation. If I, were to, if I were to look at a big thing, we have learned how to work hard. The first five years were defining culture and, and standards and learning how to work hard. And it took five years of refinement and micro adjustment to get to where people know instinctually what to do. Now, how do you create? How do we create and create something that never has existed? And this is pushing and impressing into people in a way that now they can't just be robots or follow orders well, um, no matter how hard they work, they have to go deep inside themselves and be inspired and get deep in their work to create something new. And that's what's next. I'm challenging myself and the company to bring something new to the table. Um, so I don't know, even know what it is yet. I mean, right now we're focused on footwear and we're trying to innovate in the wrestling footwear space and that's a product, but I expect bigger things than that. So I want to continually innovate and lead the charge in the national wrestling community as it pertains to messaging a brand and apparel. So for a company like yours, what gets in the way of innovation? What, what hurdles, what ceilings will you run up against that are going to cause you uh, issues and you know they're there, you're just waiting to smack your head on them? There's tangible and intangible ceilings. Tangibles are the, the finite resources that a company has, right? Cash is fuel. Cash allows you to explore. It allows you to test. It allows you to, to do things like that. That's the tangible side. So we have to be successful to be successful. On the intangible side, it's confidence. People don't dare. They don't take risks because they may not have the confidence to expose themselves. So it's, there's a combination of tangible and intangible things that lead to people creating something new, better, and, and we, need to, we need to really make sure in stride our confidence doesn't either outweigh or, or fall below our resource. So they have to run in tandem. Yeah. I'm just struck by this. You mentioned, I asked you what's different. You said, no, nothing different about me. Nothing. And I want you to know that there is. And I, and I want you to know that uh, there's a percentage of entrepreneurs that will succeed and a percentage that won't. And you mentioned toughness and activity and, and what you're trying to accomplish as being the difference. I don't normally ask my guests to give advice, but if you could picture 
an entrepreneur that's trying to get it done, that thinks he's competing, that thinks he's doing all the right things, but just can't get over that hump. I think your leg, your uh, your history as a, as a coach and what you've been able to accomplish here with your culture and what you're trying to do with your business is going to be helpful to that person. What would you tell that person that is doing great, but maybe your definition of winning is a little bit different than his? What kind of advice might you give? It's a great question. Thank I you. ask myself this own question all the time. I say, if I would travel back in time and talk to myself, what would I say? And I'm always going in wormholes, forward and backward. And I think that's important to do. And, and if you're going to cast a vision, you should. My advice to anybody that's going to embark on something hard is just to keep going. And it sounds very simple, but we're in an age where justification often comes before realization. And I would write down every excuse that you're going to have. Write down every excuse before you start that you're going to have on a piece of paper. My, my spouse is going to complain. My family is going to belittle. Write anything down. I'm going to run out of finance. I'm going to run out of money. My market's going to change. Write down any excuse for failure before you start and then be determined that when these come up, because they will, because they will come up, that I'm going to conquer it and then plan from the point you start till, they, till those things happen to beat them every day. What is my plan on finance? What is my plan on family friction? What is my plan on cultural upheaval, market change? Whatever it is, you have to be combating it every day. Folks, if you can meet a great coach, if you can remember a great teacher, if you have a wonderful mentor, you are in rare company. And I think we just met one. And I want to thank Jesse Lang for being a part of the show and for sharing that vision, sharing that competitive nature, sharing the experience that you've had, not just in business, but just in life and how that can, can help other companies kind of see something even bigger than maybe they see right now. And if we've been able to accomplish that for folks listening and watching, I'm, I'm a happy man. And I thank you very much, Jesse, for being a part of Dash and Grit. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian. I'm grateful. If someone wanted to reach out to you to learn more about Rudis, perhaps uh, different ways that they might be able to work with you, or even just hear more about your story in general, how might you uh, have them reach out to you? Absolutely. Um, you know, the easiest way to, to reach me, because I'm, I'm always accessible, is actually to go to our website, rudis.com. And whether it's through social media or the customer service department, that's all housed right here in our headquarters in Marysville, Ohio, they will get to me. So I have multiple people ready to funnel a call, an email, write to me because my many modes of contact information are probably too much to spew right now. Rudis.com. Uh, you can find me there. Wonderful. And I hope that people do. And I wish you the greatest success. The, the best thing that I love about my job is that I get to meet uh, successful business folks like you and you inspire me. So thank you for inspiring our customers. We appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. We are Spire Advertising. We uh, are proud to present to you this podcast called A Dash of Grit. We're here to help your business grow. And we've got a full team of marketers, uh, digital coders. We can create uh, marketing campaigns, websites, whatever your business might need to success. Of course, I'm not talking to Jesse. He's got that out taken care of. But anyone out there that might need some of those services, please reach out. We're at spiread.com. If you click the contact sales button, I will answer. I am Brian Leffelock. And I want to thank Jesse Lang of Rudis for joining us. This has been A Dash of Grit. Uh, it's a lot of hard work and it's an acquired taste. Thank you for listening. We'll do it again. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.